say you don't get to start counting time on me until after we pray, and that's when you start counting time, but I'm not going to be that way. This is a little lengthy introduction because I want to set some things up before we have a word of prayer. You see, if we, if we think about, you know, uh, we don't have a window into the throne room when God is, you know, creating, you know, new children to be born, and, and He's placing them in their mother's womb, and He's forming them in their mother's womb, and we, we don't see, you know, all, all the conversation maybe that God has with himself about, I think I'll put this one with this family and this one with this family. And, and we don't see all of that, but we do have some insight into just a few of those. Now, of course, this is a movie. This isn't for real. But, you know, here, you know, Jorel sends Kalel here to the earth and, and uh, it just happens by accident. I don't know if, he, he, if he's already checked out the earth, you know, and pulled these people out. But, man, he puts them in the hand of Jonathan and Martha Kent. Salt of the earth people. That's one of the things that you keep hearing over and over. Salt of the earth people. Just awesome people. They, they raise him in the right way. The same with another guy that, that uh, a lot of people relate this movie to another Bible story, and that is the story of Moses. In the same way with Moses. That God... Now, uh, God had a particular purpose for Moses. All of us have purpose, but there was a particular purpose for Moses. And so God had to put him in just the right persons, the right family's hands. And so he chose Amram and Jochebed. You know those names, right? All right. Everybody spelled them for me. No, we don't know those names. It doesn't say it right there in Exodus, you know, uh, in chapter two and those first few uh, chapters there. It doesn't, you know, when it starts talking about Moses, you know, it doesn't say it there. You have to kind of look for it, but that's their names, Amram and Jochebed. You know, say, okay, well, they're not important. We don't even know their names. You didn't know their names. You know, but they're they're not important. But they are important because Moses had to be put in a in, in a you know a little basket that his mom made and hidden away, and you know, and then then she was ta- and then he was taken. And you say, well, you know, so they, they didn't have anything. Well, first of all, they did save his life because all male Hebrew children that were being born were being cast in the Nile to drown. And so he was saved because God had put him. God had chosen this. This, this couple's going to do this. But that's not, that's not where it ends because we, we find out, and this is a part of the story that's often forgotten about Moses, is that when Moses was found by Pharaoh's daughter, she needed a nurse, someone to nurse the baby. And so what, how it ended up until God's providence, Moses' own real mother was able to nurse him. And, and so you got to think about this. Ladies, I'm, I, you could preach this part of the message for me. What were they doing? What were they doing during that time? In those few, you know, I, I don't know how long they nursed back in those days. I imagine she probably tried to stretch it out as far as she could. Didn't want to wean that baby, you know, as, you know, as late because she wanted to hold him as long as she could and, and nurse him as long as she could. But they knew that their time was short, and so no doubt, man, they were taking advantage of that time. Man, as she was holding that baby and nursing that baby, she had to be praying over him. She had to be pleading God's power and protection over him. She had to be pouring stuff into him. And Amram, the dad, I mean, I can just imagine him, him there praying for him every moment that they had him in their home and, and then reading scriptures and telling him stories. Oh, I know he's not old enough here yet, but pouring it into him anyway. And this, this is what God did is he chose someone to put them into that would raise a hero or like another. And we related this movie a little bit to another Bible story last week, Jesus. And God specifically chose a father. For his son, when he put him here as Jesus, we don't know a whole lot about Joseph. But let me take you to the book of Matthew, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you. Actually, I'm gonna show you every verse of scripture, pretty much, that we have on who Joseph was. But here's a big part of it: Matthew chapter one, verse eighteen through twenty-four. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. 
His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this and thought about divorcing her quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you were to give him the name of Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. If you remember Emmanuel from last week, we talked about El a little bit, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Okay, now, now you got to see, this is, this is a lot of all we know about Joseph. There's just a few other things I, I want to show you here. There's still, we're going to have a word of prayer in a moment, okay? But I, I wanted you to see this. I wanted you to see uh, who this man was. Because first of all, you know, Mary comes and she's beginning to, you know, have a little pudge here or something, and word gets out, and now she's pregnant, and she says, oh, well, don't worry about it, uh, because I haven't been with a man. This is of the Holy Spirit. You know, and most will say, yeah, right. You know, I didn't fall off turnip truck yesterday. You know, I know better than that. And so, and I, you know, and I would just imagine that for most of us, most people, if we didn't got, like get with a program of God real quick, because I mean, there was an old scripture there that they had in what we call the Old Testament that prophesied that, hey, he's coming through a virgin. You know, the Holy Spirit's going to do this thing. And he didn't see that. Maybe if we didn't see that, a lot of times God might say, okay, if you don't want to do it, you know, because a lot of times God gives us opportunity and we don't do it. And God says, if you don't want to do it, okay, I'll go over here and find somebody who will. But not with Joseph. Look what God did. And Joseph said, I, I, I don't believe this. You know, I don't believe this. And I'm going to put, put her away privately and not, you know, I'm not going to expose her to shame and disgrace. And God sends him an angel in the middle of the night. It's as if God is saying, I can't lose Joseph. I can't lose this one. This one's so important. He is the man that has to raise Jesus to be the hero of the, of the of the world. He wouldn't lose him. Man, don't you want to be a dad like that? God says, I can't lose this one. And, and, and then look on down there. It says that, that she was probably about three months pregnant when they got married or came together. But he did not. They did not consummate the marriage until the baby was born six months later and then the time of purification after that. And listen, I don't want to go any deeper than this with you because we're in a mixed crowd right here. But he was a man of steel. I mean, he said, I'm going to do what's necessary. I'm going to do what's right. He was a man of steel. It didn't matter how he felt. It didn't matter what was going on in his mind or his hormones or any of those kinds of things. He, was a, he said, I'm going to be who I'm supposed to be for this child and for this lady that God. That's who this Joseph was. And a few more verses of Scripture uh, in Matthew and then also in Luke. We, we find out that then uh, God speaks to Joseph. He sends him an angel, says, you got to get jo Jesus out of here because Herod wants to kill him. And then after that, Herod dies, an angel comes back and says, okay, it's okay to go home. They end up settling in Nazareth. And then we see in the book of Luke, chapter 2, uh, that when it came time for the purification, they went to present Jesus to, to God. And, and, and it also says, verse 39 there says, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord. Every, they had done everything required. This is who Joseph was. Oh, and then, and, and then verse 49 says, every year Jesus' parents went to the Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. Every, every year they went. And who did that? Not, not Mary. 
Everybody. So Joseph was in charge of it. He was leading this. He got them up. It's like on a Sunday morning kind of. He got up. So let's go to church. Because this was a travel. This wasn't something you could do every week. I mean, this was a special one. They weren't just going down to the synagogue. They were going to the temple in Jerusalem. And, you know, he had to take off work. He had to save the money. He had to get everything together. There were, there were years that it was not financially feasible for them to go, but they went anyway. This is who Joseph was. And it takes that kind of a man of steel, determination, to raise a hero. And some of you, I know, you, men, you sometimes think, I don't know if I got it in me. You ever thought, you don't have to raise your hand. I don't know if I have it in me. Can I tell you something? You have it in you. Because your heavenly father is a man of steel. And his spiritual DNA has passed down into you. You have what it takes to be a man of steel and to raise heroes. Pray with me. Father, I love you. And God, I ask you, Lord, to please just bless the few moments that we have together, the rest of this message. I pray, God, that for some dad who, who, who is thinking, Lord, as I have thought many times, I don't have this in me. I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. I'm ready for somebody else. Lord, uh, I, I ask you, God, please encourage them today. Remind them today. God, you have already provided them with the power and the strength to build everything. It's there, God. And just stir that up into somebody today. Help someone see. And God, renew the call, the call to the mission. Renew the, re, renew that vision, Lord, before them, God, that, that, that you have already had, God, that you began letting them to, letting them see. Remind them of it today, God, of what you can make their children to be, the heroes, God, that you dreamed they would be. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Okay. So let me tell you a few things you do if you want to raise a hero. First of all, one of the most important things you do, and dad, this is your responsibility. There are a lot of moms, you know, sometimes I jokingly wish the guys a happy Mother's Day on Mother's Day and the, the ladies a happy Father's Day on Father's Day. And, and a lot of times I, I get the comment from some ladies or somebody who's standing away later say, you know, a lot of mothers have to be the fathers. Listen, Dad, this is your job. The first thing you need to make sure, you need to make sure they understand that they are a child of two worlds. Now we could talk about Superman, he was a child of two worlds. He was born in one, and he, he, he had his destiny in another. Okay, We could talk about Moses. He was a child of two worlds. He was born a Hebrew, raised, a, raised an Egyptian. We could talk about Jesus. He was a child of two worlds. He was a son of God. He was a son of man. Your child is a child of two worlds. They were born in this one, but their destiny is in another one. And there is coming a day in their life, and you need to make sure they understand. I didn't say up there, tell them. I said you need to make sure they understand that there is coming a day in their life that every bit of strength and ability and understanding and wisdom and knowledge that this world can give them and they can have in their flesh is not going to be enough. And they will have to rely on a power and an ability and a wisdom that doesn't come from this world but comes from another. Superman, where was his power from? It wasn't from his strength. He didn't go down to the gym and, you know, and pump enough iron and he was strength. His strength was rooted in the fact that he was from another place. Your children, they need to understand their true strength. They're coming to a day they're going to need a true strength in extraordinary circumstances and nothing in this world is going to get them through it that they will need to rely on the roots that they have in another world. But they're not going to get it just because you tell them that. You're going to have to show them. That's the only way, that's the only way there. Don't tell them, make sure they understand. The way they're going to understand that is when they watch you walk that way. 
when they hear you talk that way, when, when, when your actions speak to them that you also are a child of two worlds, born in this one, but a destiny in another one. That you've got a physical strength here, but you've got a supernatural strength that has nothing to do with this world. It is about another world that you are part of, that, that you belong to. And, and, and that the, the times come where, where, where things look like something and you say, but God chooses this for us. And it looks like we ought to, uh, ought to go this way and you have to say, but God says we need to do this. And but God, and but God, if they don't hear... If they don't hear you speak of God, if they don't hear that, that you've got this connection, that you know you belong to another world, that this is just a, a, a temporary one, if they don't hear that, then they're going to grow up to believe that they just belong to this one too. The only way they're going to see that, the only way they're going to really get it, guys, is for you to show it to them, to, before them. Secondly, make sure you've got to help them uh, accept and pursue, confront their highest purpose that they confront their, their own personal destiny that God has given them. You know, we talk around here about God dreaming of us as He forms us in His mother's womb. That's, in our mother's womb, and that's what He says He was doing. You know, is he, was, man, he was thinking about this, and He was forming and, and writing all of our parts, and He was writing our future as He was, he was dreaming of this. And you have to help your child get to that. We talked last week about confronting destiny, and that every hero has to confront destiny. This past week, I've said a couple of times, one was in a small group, and another one time is, is that you know your destiny is going to chase you down. You're going to confront your destiny one day. And, and it is either going to become a realization, it's going to become an amazing thing because you're going to embrace it, you're going to be a part of it, or it's going to kill you because you're going to run from it. You're going to try to do anything else you can besides fulfill that destiny. You need to teach your children to confront their destiny to accept what God has called them to do, what God has chosen for them to do. And I, and I know we could say, well, what about our heroes? That we, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, um, Superman, Kal-El, Clark Kent. He had two fathers. They were pouring this into him. You have a destiny, Clark. You have a destiny, Kal-El. I know, it's just a movie, right? Okay, but it's a great example because you too have two fathers. You got a father in heaven? And you got a father on this earth. You need to remember also, your children have two fathers. They got a father in heaven, and you're their father on earth. And you know what they need? They need both fathers. They've got one. That one's always pulling for them. They need this one pulling for them. They need you to be there. They need you to say, you can do this. They need you to say, you have a, a personal divine destiny. Can I tell you something? If you want to, if you want to raise a kid who is totally depressed, always you know, always thinking about ending their life, got, got to be on medication, depressed and discouraged. And, and you know, and uh, you want to raise a kid like, then tell them they have no destiny. Tell them they have no purpose. You want to raise a lazy kid? Tell them there's nothing beyond today. Don't worry about it. Just live for today. Tell them they have no purpose, no high purpose to fulfill. You know, you want to raise kids like, then, then do that. But if you want to raise heroes, then you got to tell them you have a calling from God. You've been chosen. You have a mission as well. Tell them about their, and help them find their highest purpose. And in so doing, you're going to raise a hero that's going to say, wait a minute, I've got something to do for God. And, and like Clark Kent, or Clark's dad, Jonathan was telling him, Clark, you owe it to yourself. If it takes you the rest of your life to discover what your destiny is, to discover what your purpose is, it's, it's your job, dad, to help them find it. And you know what? That destiny is going to be bigger than them, maybe even bigger than you.
And that's where that part comes of like kind of letting go sometimes and, and saying, go do it now. Because the third thing is that sacrifice, denying yourself for your children, is one of the most central acts of fatherhood. And we don't see as much of that today. We see, you know, uh, guys, honestly, once you have children, your life is now about funding them. It's about taking care of them. And you know what we see today? We see, we see dads who are mortgaging their kids' futures so they can have their toys or do their things today. Sacrifice, denying yourself, is the most central act of fatherhood. And, and, and you, you, you have to give it up. You've got to understand that sometimes that their dream, what God dreams for them, is bigger than you. And you've got to say, go do it. And I, and I think, I know we looked at moms and we, th- we think moms are the ones with the apron strings that want to hang on to their kids as long as they can, you know. We dads do it just in a different way. Oh yeah, we're ready for them. Go get a job. Get out of the house, man. I'm tired of paying for that car and all this and all that and you know, whatever. We're ready for that. But we hold on in other ways, dads. Come on, you know you do. But there comes that time that we have to accept the fact and we have to, and we have to say sometimes it's bigger than us. Look at our examples again. Clark Kent, his dad, Jonathan. Anybody, what kind of, what kind of vehicle did Jonathan Kent drive? Anybody know? Thank you. Old pickup truck. <laughs> it was a pickup truck. He, he, lived, he, he lived on a farm. What, what, wasn't a big, one of those big nice ones, was it, you know, with everything? Is, I mean, a lot of, the, a lot of the, uh, the times you would see him in a movie or in a comic book, you would see him, you know, he's got his sleeves rolled up because he's working on the pickup truck, trying to keep it running. And so here we've got Jonathan Kent, man of steel. Jonathan Kent, who is raising a hero. Jonathan Kent is trying to drive around in this old beat-up jalopy of a pickup truck, but he's got a son that flies through the heavens. That's what it's about, dads. That's what it's about. It's about fulfilling whatever your destiny is so that your child can fulfill their destiny. The reason we don't have more heroes is because a lot of us are just squashing our kids, right? Where they're, Take a hammer around. You know that Moses' dad? Amram was a slave. He lived the life of a slave, but his son Moses grew up in a palace and became one of the greatest spiritual leaders of all history. Man, that's what it's about, dads. It's about being who you're supposed to be so that they can be, or Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, who labored away. We don't know how many years because he appeared to be dead before Jesus was crucified. But however many years he had on this earth, labored away in a carpenter shop so that his son could save the world. That's what it's about. And whatever your lot in life is, whatever your destiny is, you fulfill it as a man of steel and you do it and you you show up. I don't just mean at work. You show up. Every day you show up and you fulfill your destiny so that your kids can fulfill theirs so you can raise heroes. Whether it's being, whether it's a slave like Moses' dad, a, a farmer with an old beat up truck or a great truck, what, whatever it is, you fulfill your destiny so they can fulfill theirs. And lastly, let me tell you about investing. Investing some into the heroes your children who are to be, become heroes. Investing. When I was eight years old, 
tell you a story. When I was eight years old, I saw this little girl, beautiful green eyes. We were playing out in the backyard. It was, it was nighttime. The lights in the yard, you know, they were letting us see so we could play. And she came around the corner and those lights, you know, in the darkness, those lights hit those green eyes and they just sparkled. And I was Twitter-pated. I'm sorry, I just have to use that, ter- that word. I mean, it's, it's from Bambi, okay? If you don't know the movie, it's from Bambi, okay? I, just, I mean, really, I don't know any way to say it. I was Twitter-pated at eight years old. You know, I was, man, I was, I was already messed up at eight years old, you know? I was Twitter-pated. It's like, wow, what a beautiful little girl. That following February, my dad came home from, from work and... Uh, and I, and I said in the early service, I'm really not sure. I do know this. I do know that he came home with mom a Valentine gift and me a little box of chocolates. I think he gave her some, a bigger box of chocolates. And I think he gave my brothers a box of chocolates also, but I know that's what I got was a box of chocolates. You know, and so we're all kind of excited, and, but the wheels are spinning in my head. And I'm thinking, and I don't want to open my box and I finally muster up the courage to bring up the possibility that instead of eating my chocolate, I could give it to a little girl that I know. And, and I don't really remember how, I, how the conversation began, but I remember mom saying, well, your dad won't mind. And so I approached my dad about it, and he was okay. I don't remember my dad's, my dad's facial expressions. I don't remember if he was like, what? <laughs> you know, you don't want to eat your candy. You want to give it away. But you know, eight years old, uh, I, don't, I, don't remember, I don't remember what he was thinking. I don't remember if he liked it or didn't like it, but he accepted it. He said, okay. He did it. Can I tell you something, guys? Eight-year-olds in love need funding. You know, I, I didn't. I you know I didn't have a way to buy. That was the nicest Valentine's Day gift I'd probably give for another you know ten eight ten years. You know, a box of chocolates to a little girl. And so one day, my my mom and I we were driving, and and uh, and my mom saw the car that belonged to this little girl's mom. I don't even know how she knew that that car was hers because we didn't go to church with them. They lived away from us. Uh, you know, they, uh, we didn't go, I didn't go to school with her or anything. So I don't even know how she knew that car. And uh, so, but we ran home real quick, grabbed the box of chocolates, got back to the store. Whew, car's still there. We're still good. You know, I go in, go find her and her mom. And I say, can she come outside with me? I've got something I want to give her. And she said, sure. And so we're walking outside. I remember I'm running about 10 steps ahead of her, you know, and she's, trailing along, and I thought later might be because I was excited, and she didn't know if maybe I had a frog for her or something. She didn't know what was out there. So she follows me, and we get out there, you know, and it's a real romantic scene. You know, it's like, here, you know, and I get in the car, and she's gone back inside. (laughs) Eight years old, okay? Eight years old. But my dad made an investment. I, You know, I don't know if, it wasn't what he intended, but my dad made an investment that paid off because over 40 years later, I'm still married to that little green-eyed girl. I've got two great kids involved in ministry who have also married two great kids involved in ministry. That was my son that sang this song up here just a little while ago. My son-in-law that just sang that song up here just a little while ago. And I've got three beautiful grandchildren that are in church today. And still, God willing, an awesome future ahead for my family because dad 
invested in me. Oh, it's just a little box of chocolates. Just a little box of chocolates. But dads, you never know what little bitty investment you make will become a great thing in their life. Because, I mean, that impacted my life and, and my eternity. You never know what you're doing. And it's impacted his too. Because my grandkids are his great-grandkids. Guys, you never know what the investment is going to pay until it pays back. Make the investment. Invest what you have. And that's not just about money, okay? I got to tell you this. I, I, I got to tell you that spoiled kids never become heroes. Spoiled kids don't become, and I, I didn't say spoiled rich kids, because you can spoil poor kids. You can be as poor as dirt and still spoil your kids. But spoiled kids do not become heroes. You invest what you have, but you invest what you know also. There have been times I've written this to dad in birthday and Father's Day cards. There have been times where we have struggled financially. In ministry, it might surprise you, but that happens in ministry. I mean, you, you're digging a church out or whatever. We got this one going. I was working three part-time jobs in addition to doing this. Of course, you know, there's a day here and a day there and a day there. And you know what I was doing? I was doing accounting work, bookkeeping, filing taxes, sales taxes, payroll taxes. That, you know why? Because that's what my dad knew. And that's what my dad gave me. I find myself, I, one of the things I like to do is I like to work with my hands. I like to do woodwork and kind of stuff. I've made a few things and don't try to hire me. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't want to pay for the amount of time I have to put in something to make it look good. But I, I love doing that. And when I do it, a lot of times I think of my father-in-law who passed away about a little over 10 years ago. I tell Dave often, I said, man, I felt like I was channeling your dad today. Just some things I was doing. I said, I mean, I could just see him doing this and just the way he taught me. Pour into your kids what you know. You have no idea. Man, my dad has blessed me financially by enabling me to get to earn a living. No matter where I'm at, no matter what I, I, I could, I don't know if I could do it in another country, but I could probably go work anywhere in ministry and still be able to make a living because of what my dad taught me about. Invest what you know and invest who you are. And here's the thing about investing who you are. You are going to invest who you are whether you want to or not. You don't even have to try. There is something that God put inside of us that makes us dig the stuff out of our dad. Maybe it's because dads are busy. Dads have to go to work. You know, Dads don't get to stay home as much as a lot of moms. A lot of moms have to work today too. I don't know what it is, but kids just dig for that stuff out of dad. Beg for a hug. Beg for a little bit. And they dig for that stuff out. And they're going to pick up your stuff no matter what it is. So the real thing here is you don't have to really pay attention so much about making sure you pour into. You got to pay attention to what you're pouring. So dad, you need to become the who that is worthwhile to pour into your kids. If you're going to pour who you are into them, then make sure the who you are is worth them having. Because they're going to tell on you one day. One day in kids' church, they're going to request prayer for you. 
Or one day when they have a tough time, something's going to slip out of their mouth that you were hoping they didn't hear when you had a tough time one moment. Or they're going to grow up. And I know those are cute things, maybe you think, even though they're not great things, but they're kind of cute things. But they're going to grow up and they're going to become more like you than you or they want to be. It's going to happen. So dads, make up your mind to be the man of steel so you can pass that down and give it to him. I want to ask you to do something with me this morning. Um, something just a little I, I, just, I just want to show you something if I can. I want to ask every dad in the room, would you come stand with me here at the front as we close? Every dad. Dad and granddad. If you're a granddad, you're still a dad. So come on. You've been chosen for a mission. You've been chosen for a mission because God put that little bundle of joy in your hands. Might have been two months ago. Might have been 30 years ago. You've been chosen for a mission. And you can do it because His DNA flows through you. As a child of God, who He is, what He is, flows through you. And you know it. Man, there are days you don't feel like you can get through, but you, you make it. And you, go ahead, let's, let's admit it too. Sometimes, you know, you've got a problem and some, you know, that one of them asks you a question. You don't have to say amen because I know you don't want them to know this. You ain't got a clue what to say and all of a sudden something wise comes out of your mouth and you just think, ooh, where'd that come from? <laughs> you don't have to say amen. You don't have <laughs> let them know that. Where'd it come from? It came from up there. Man, every time that happens, you need to write that down and say, I know that came from God. So the next time you're struggling with one of those days, I don't know if I can make it. I know I'm not alone. I remember that day that he spoke that through me. I remember that day that he, I didn't feel like working the second shift and he helped me get through that second shift. I didn't feel like being there and he helped me be there. He helped me show up when I just wanted to go to bed. You need to remember that. You're not alone because he's there, but y'all also need to look around you right here. You're not alone. Sometimes being a superhero is lonely, but I think sometimes being the father of a hero is even more lonely. But look around. There's no need to feel lonely because every one of us are facing the same things. We struggle with the same insecurities and inabilities and wonder if we can do it and we can make it. Guess what? We can. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to pray. I'm going to pray for you, but I want to ask you to pray for one another. I want you to pray for and You don't even know everybody's name here, I'm sure. Pray for them anyway. The guys at 930, I asked them to pray for you. They were standing here just an hour, hour and a half ago, something like that. I asked them to pray for you. And they prayed for you. So pray for them too. And I want to ask you to pray for one another this week. I I'm, I'm, I'm believe God can remind you to pray for one another this week. You know what? I believe that. But let me tell you, I, I know it happened. Yesterday, a lady I don't know, I was saying, when I was saying goodbye to her, spent a, spent a little time with her yesterday. We were down at school working. She said, pray for me tomorrow. This is my first Father's Day you know, with, without my dad. And I said, I'm going to say a prayer for you tomorrow. Guess what? As I laid down last night, and I asked God, I said, God, you got to help me. This, I'm going to have my mind on her tomorrow. I have my mind on church. As I laid down last night, guess what? God reminded me. This morning on my way to church, guess what? God reminded me. I believe he'll remind you to pray for one another. Next time you're having a tough time, remember, you're not the only one having a tough time that day. There's somebody standing here right now that's also having a tough time. Pray for them too. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Bow with me, guys.